0: Beer is for everyone. It is Australia's national drink. It is for the fancy place to the common man. And we need to own that space. Welcome to Bruce News Week, episode 407, recorded today, Thursday, the 23rd of February. I'm Sabrina Kunz, and I'm joined today by one of my usual co-hosts, Ian Watson. Hey, Ian. Hey,
1: Sabrina. How are you going?
0: Good. And we're also joined by guest host this week, Steve Brocklin, who you have all heard many a time. Hey, Steve.
2: Hey, Sabrina. Hey, Ian. How are you guys? Yeah, well, thanks, Steve.
0: Well, after a bumper few weeks on the news we have got a light news week this week um so we'll crack into it i should say um matt is down um in melbourne at a bintani open day so he sends his um hello to you all and i'm sure he's going to enjoy listening this back (laughs) on the flight back on saturday uh, so the news, lager recall commences. This is a really quick one. Liquorland um, is conducting a recall of its Smithy's Dry Lager 330ml bottles. The uh, product was available at all Coles Liquorland outlets uh, and should be immediately destroyed or returned. Uh, and also from Coles, <laughs> liquor cycles down for Coles Group despite three-year growth. Coles Group has posted first half year results with sales revenue growing 3.9% across the group, despite a 0.9% decline in liquor as a result of cycling COVID 19 on premise restrictions. Total sales from continuing operations grew to 20.8 billion across the group, with sales revenue from liquor outlets totaling 1.95 billion down approximately $2 from the previous corresponding period. The company said that despite the slight fall in liquor, its three-year headline sales had grown 15.4%. The company announced in an investor presentation that e-commerce in liquor had grown by 287% over the previous three years. And under what it was calling its differentiate and grow strategy, Coles Liquor has increased a focus on local lines with 520 new lines added across the portfolio. It has also added more than 200 products under its exclusive liquor brand's own products, though the company recently, as we've just mentioned, recalled it Smithy's Dry Lager. So interesting results for Coles Group.
1: Yeah, it seems that both the um, uh, two major retailers, uh, grocery retailers, um, have had pretty strong showings. I was just seeing on the news last night similar things for, for Woolworths as a whole group as well, not just Endeavour drinks, um, but both the Coles group um, as a whole and Woolworths as a whole have had, dis- despite uh, cost increases, have had pretty strong times um, just recently.
2: Yeah, and if anyone out there is uh, in any illusion of how big these two companies are, I mean, $20, $20 billion, that's where the B is. And they're coming down off $2 billion with a B. That's a lot of money um, for a big business. Um, But probably the two things that I would take out of that um, report there was actually Coles adding 520 of its own new lines. So that whole home brand, um, well, Coles brand, um, beer, wine, spirits are all going in there. And that shelf space is being taken up by Coles or Woolies in either case of the thing, and that means less space for craft brewers. So I think that's an important one for us all to look out for.
1: When you mentioned it, we were always talking about the beer, but it's not just in beer, it's in the other categories they run as well. Um, I see it in wine. Uh, I mainly, uh, luckily, have very good access to a, a very good independent bottle shop um, that my partner works for, but I do sometimes go into those ones and looking at the wines there, having to look on the back and see, like, Jesus, is this a genuine producer, or then looking at the address and so forth and figuring out what it is. So it's not just affecting our industry, it's affecting our brothers and sisters in the wine industry um, as as well. I think I mentioned it once before, about a year or so back on the, the podcast, I'd actually think it'd be great if they just told it like it is and called it home brand or no frills or black and gold or whatever. I'd possibly be more likely to buy those products then. I'd totally buy a black and gold beer. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Black and gold, you know, uh, IPA sounds great to me. <laughs>
0: It is really interesting. We've talked about that sort of that home branding of beer and what it means for shelf space. But the other interesting thing in this almost the opposite side of that is so these large retailers are putting in their own brands. But the the other side of this was um, they had announced adding 520 new product lines. And I will say that Bruce News was contacted by uh, someone at Coles basically saying, hey, we would really like to know about more small breweries around our regional stores. Can you help us find more of these small producers in these areas because, you know, we want to look at whether we could range them. So they are actively looking to meet that consumer need of support local, which is great for small producers in local regional areas. What it means is you combine that going local along with, well, if we're going to nationally range, we'll nationally range our own products. And what it means is that that the the upper end of town, the larger scale, it, you know it is going to be harder and harder and harder for breweries that think they can grow to be nationally ranged in either of the major chains. Those two things combine; those forces to combine mean, yeah, more people want to drink local, but actually, it means you can't dominate nationally.
1: That that are uh, a medium end of town uh, size brewery. That's where it probably has more impact on, rather than the very bottom yeah. smaller breweries. If you're just going to be in a, a couple of local stores, probably safer and probably not as big of an impact on your bottom line. But if you are trying to become a bigger brand, you've you you are uh, directly affected by your um your customer being your competition as well
0: yeah for sure and and that other piece around you know like the medium size, a lot of these medium-sized breweries because we switched to packaged over the two years of covid so a lot of them might have um and i think i think it's Brayside is a great example um you know they talked about They were going to be in an on-premise location. That's what they were going to do. And then really quickly to survive it all, they had to pivot to to packaged product. If any breweries at that medium size have invested in permanent canning lines, staffing, uh, on the assumption that their growth is going to be packaged product, um, and now that growth is not there, then that's a fundamental change to your business model again. And if you don't have access to taps, it's really, it's it's changing the game again.
2: No, for sure. There's definitely a squeeze-on um, within the industry um, as we kind of run out of spaces to put the beer, right? So uh, yeah. the product mix is going to be really important for a lot of those medium-sized breweries. I think also in that article too, um, the fact that their e-commerce is up almost 300%, mm. not surprising with COVID, and we've talked about it previous episodes uh, of the podcast, But if you're a small or medium-sized brewery in this country and you don't have an online store, you should probably get an online store. It is easy. You know, if you're an IBA member, sign up with Sendal, you know, send it out via Australia Post. It is an easy way to get people to buy your beer where they are buying beer. They're buying beer online. So um, the proof's in the pudding. It's, It's an easy way to market. It's another way to market.
0: And that was a great conversation. I think Matt had it with Beer Cartel, and they really talked about, you know, that they had wanted to retain their on-premise retail, and they just realised that online uh, sales were something fundamentally different, and they needed to focus on that. So, you know, support your indie online retailers as well. For sure. Um. So we've made quite a bit of meat out of what is big news, but it's reporting season, so we've been cycling through all of these in um these reports from the the big end of town. Uh, so just uh, a news item for the whole of the Australian beer industry Australian International beer entry beer awards entries are open. Melbourne Royal has announced that entries are now open for the 2023 Australian International Beer Awards this year the awards will see the return of an international judging contingent. Um, and the details of the panel would be closer to judging. There's been some changes to the entry guidelines, to the classes. So I encourage everybody to take a look at that and really think hard about, how, about your entry strategy. Um, but it's always a huge celebration of Australian beers. So excited about that.
2: Awesome to welcome back international judges as well. It just means it's a high quality competition, um, getting expertise yep. from other brewers from all across the world. So great great that they're back.
1: And that's important too, not just for those immediate results there and in getting diversity um, and experience from outside of our country into there. It's also experience for the judges in getting um, opinions from others and seeing how they do. It's one of the, probably the thing about judging I enjoy the most is getting to blind taste beer with my peers and Listen to their feedback on it and see what they're picking up. After a while, when you're judging within a certain group of people, you, um, you, you, you're, in, you're in an endless loop of um, similar opinions to some degree. But when you bring in the international judges from different countries around the world and different experiences and in different classes, you get to learn even more about it. And hopefully they take away something from, from our judges here as, as well.
0: I know from running the New Zealand Awards and then, um, doing some work on awards for other organizations, that, that judging table, the way that you set judging tables in terms of skills, competence, existing relationships, um, and all is incredibly complex and there's no sort of, it's part magic, part science, um, but I know in Running New Zealand we used to always try and make sure that there was someone international at each table so that there was this sort of almost independent barometer from from the group that is always there that could say, hey, I don't actually know about that, um, but it's such an art to get it right and it's always such a great experience, the judging. Yes, oh yeah, yes,
1: I've I've often thought that the um the process of putting together the tables would be particularly hard and I'm glad that I've never um never had to do that too much. Uh because yeah, getting getting that balance of experience across and getting that balance of of potential inputs into the table would, would be very difficult. And then tie that in with the fact that there would be some judges that couldn't sit on some tables because their beer was going to come through it. Um, just would throw a real spinner in the works as well.
0: It's really, really, really hard and for a competition the size of the AIBAs, um, you know, all power to them. (laughs) So if you were to win the AIBAs and needed to put a medal on your beer, can anyone think of a good way that you might go about doing that? Uh,
1: I I think there's someone that you could probably have a speak to about that, Steve, probably knows of them too. And, you know, uh, I think Rallings uh, label stickers and packaging would probably be the first people that i would turn to in in a moment like this you know cuz beer can labels are regarded these days as the new mini billboard of the beverage industry they say a lot as an advertisement you can hold in your hand the label is a genuine conversation starter the label is also providing a new voice to the designers and artists with very public canvas to present some terrific artworks and some tongue in cheek quips it's just brilliant seriously though to get all your specs right on your can or bottle making sure it's looking its best at all times Call the guys at Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging on 1300 852 235 or email sales at rallingsprint.com.au to see how they can help you make your brand sing.
2: Oh, perfect. That was such oh, a good throw. That was such perfect. a good read. Stay away, Matt. You don't even have to come back. It's just been automatic.
0: I'm literally crying with laughter about <laughs> these advertisements. I love it, and I just love that it's become so um, in. Embedded in the way that we do things that everyone comes in and does it um, seamlessly. Love
1: Perfect. It. I, I think that uh, people actually probably listen to the program just to see how it's going to come in each week.
0: Oh, I had nothing there. Normally Matt does the good segues.
1: Your segue was great.
0: <laughs> On to the next uh, announcement, I guess. Um, earlier today, and we got a bit of news around uh, the IBA, but earlier this morning the IBA have announced that um, The keynote speaker for BrewCon and Early Bird tickets have gone on sale. So the IBA have announced Bernard Salt as the keynote speaker for BrewCon in August on the Gold Coast. Do either of you guys familiar with Bernard Salt's work?
1: Not really. He writes for, he was a columnist with The Australian and a high profile business circuit speaker, I believe. but my, my knowledge of him doesn't run run too deep, which actually makes it even more interesting.
2: I think so too. I think the the kind of individual that he is will actually make it quite a good keynote. So I think keynotes are best delivered by people that aren't within the brewing industry but can provide a, uh, a look from outside of the industry. Um, but I do know that Bernard Salt was the individual that apparently coined the term uh, smashed avo So for all those millennials <laughs> not able to afford the house... Bernard Salt is the one that linked up Smashed Abbo on Toast with uh, the inability to buy houses. So should be a cracking keynote. Apparently he's very, very funny.
0: I am not familiar, you know, I was familiar with the name but not familiar in detail with all of his social commentary. So I just had a brief look and it looks really interesting and I think to get an outside larger perspective that the industry can learn from um, at a time when things are so tumultuous and you know the world around us as an industry is changing so much it's going to be really fascinating really excited about it so Steve we uh, were going to throw in some additional IBA news so today uh, by the time you've all heard this um, the IBA member mashup in Tasmania and hops tours will all have taken place there's a member meetup mashup for the IBA on Monday in Brisbane for the Queensland crowd that's being supported thanks to Rallings. So if you haven't registered for that yet and you're hearing it on the podcast, um, get in touch with Jamie at the IBA and register. Um, and then, Steve, the IBA has just released their new newsletter format, Everything Indie.
2: Yeah, I think this is a fantastic idea. So it came about um, because they were finding that the communications coming out from the IBA started to look a bit same-same. And there's just so much information. Um, So what's happened now is um, they've all got their heads together and they've got a basically new newsletter format. So it's called Everything Indie. um, And the first issue is already currently out now. Um, you can access it through the website as well. But if you go back through your uh, member emails, it will definitely be in there. Um, but this issue has got a couple of different stuff um, that everyone probably should be aware of. So we've got the Indie Seal um, direct-to-consumer campaign that's going live on the 14th of March. Um, and there's a webinar coming up on the 2nd of March, which will cover the media kit and all the assets that you'll receive as part of the campaign. Um, so if you are able to attend that webinar two days from now, that'd be a great idea. Um, there's also a quick summation of the new uh, industrial relation laws that were passed late last year. Um, a quick introduction to the IBA's project groups. So I'm the state lead here in South Australia um, for the IBA, and I often get questions from our member breweries here about what the project groups are, um, who's doing what. Um, there's definitely a passion for each individual member whether it's education, whether it's you know advocacy, whether it's um, you know uh, diversity within the industry, there's everyone has their own passion um, that they can be harnessed and put towards a project group. Um, so I really urge you to read the uh, newsletter and have a quick look at that. Uh, and then also it lets us know what's going on at the federal level, uh, including the New Friends of Brewing group. So uh, basically uh, Kylie and Richard have been busy uh, in, the Federal Government at the moment, making sure there's a whole bunch of pollies that are friends of brewing, which sounds like a fantastic group to be part of. I think there's plenty of beer that flows. <laughs> but um basically, it's making sure that we're constantly seen around the halls of Parliament. and so I would encourage any member breweries that are out there listening to really get to know who your local member is and really get to know who your Federal member is and encourage your federal member of to government. join of government to uh, encourage a federal member to join the Friends of Brewing group because at the very least, they'll get some beer. Um, but you can actually watch um, an address um, on uh, on the uh, newsletter. So there's actually a video componentry of the newsletter, which is awesome. It's a brand new world.
0: Cool. And I think why all of this matters if you roll it up, Like a lot of those issues that you touched on there, industrial relations um, law we're going to talk about in a second, uh, in a few minutes, container deposit scheme. Um, You know, there's immigration. I know that Richard Watkins has been talking about the new mental health laws that come in this year. There is so much required of businesses these days and the landscape for beer is shifting so much that having a relationship with your local federal member, um, your political representatives at all levels, and your IBA representative, your state chapter lead, is one of the ways that you can help influence what happens for the whole of the industry and therefore your business um, because it can be really difficult to say I want to advocate for my business and often by the time it gets to the individual business level, it's too late. <laughs> um, the fight's been fought 6, 12, 18 months ahead of time. So supporting and having those relationships will give you the most say in, in those topics. So that's why it's important.
2: At the very least too, it, I mean, everyone's busy in this industry and I don't, you know, i and I'm never annoyed when a brewer comes to me and says, I'd love to spend more time and help out, but I haven't got time to do so. You've got to work on your business first. But just being involved in some of these groups and having your kind of touch point with your local IBA member and you know, starting to get to know your federal and your state members of, uh, of, of government, it really helps you to know what's coming down the pipeline. It helps you to plan your business. It helps you be aware of the issues that are about to come up and we are facing a whole host of issues coming down the pipeline. And it's really, really important, especially probably for the next six months that everyone really starts to get on top of what is actually coming down the pipeline? What are other brewers in that industry thinking? And how can we all work together to pull in the same direction and, and get the best result for the craft brewing industry?
0: Before anybody thinks this sounds like an ad for the IBA, Steve posted earlier today a new advertisement that's just come out um, by Bolter. Um, we're going to try and play an excerpt for you now and then have a chat about it.
1: I also drink beer too. It's yum. I like it all, mate.
0: I also like
1: it. I like the sound of the beer can when you open it. <coughs> just because I was need born here doesn't mean I don't like a frosty blue on any given summer's day. I it
0: curry. And
2: fatty. And spicy but some meat.
1: And for every time I don't see a shark at the beach. Yeah, I'm really impressed. Uh, I... Saw it pop up on my feed this morning, but um, sort of passed by until Steve mentioned it and then uh, went and had a, a closer look at it. And absolutely fantastic. I'm really impressed. This is a case of where a brewery or a brand is uh, using an ad to speak out for the whole of the industry and will have benefits for the whole of the industry as well as for themselves. Naturally, it's a great ad, so it's going to work for them. but it's not just about them. What it says is something that I, I think benefits all of us as an industry and something we all need to, to look at in one, uh, one forum or another. Uh, doesn't mean we all need to go out and copy the ball to ad, but um, it's exactly what we all need. It's looking to broaden the base of our consumers and show that um, our consumers aren't just uh, uh, white men with beards and tattoos. Um, that is, that is a lot of different people um, out, out there that are, want, are liking beer and want to like beer and for them that it's okay and that they see someone like them that also enjoys beer. I, I think it's an absolutely fantastic ad.
2: I love this ad. I, uh, so they've called it the We Love Good Beer brand campaign um, but I, I think the other name for it could be Beer is for Everyone. Um, so you get a good swath of everyone, uh, involved in the ad, uh, you even get a little guest cameo by Mick, Mick Fanning, which I'm sure will, uh, excite the beer punters out there and all of the people that are, are really loving Bolter beers and his association with Bolter. Um, I think it's just a really solid ad that we as an industry still need to continue to work on. Um, our diversity within our industry is an ongoing process. Um, And it's something, and if this opens the door for other smaller breweries to start considering, hey, like, is there something that we can do within our business that opens the door and makes us a welcoming business to people that aren't just bearded white blokes? That's a really great idea.
0: And proactively, I, I think, you know, there's two things that I like about this, which is... It's pointed without being pointed. So it's making a very clear case that beer is for everyone, as you've just said. And I think, you you know, if we look at that, um, Matt's not here, but I'm sure if he would, he would be saying who's bringing in the boats when the tide rises or whatever his analogy is. It's really we need more consumers. Consumption is down. We've talked about There's not many places to put your beer. We need more people feeling like the product and the community of beer because maybe they're not buying beer in your premises. They're buying something else, but they still feel welcome as a consumer. And equally, we know that we have staffing shortages, so we need people to feel welcome in the business from an employment side. And so making it, it is good business for people on the consumer and employment side to look at you and think, yeah, I could fit there. Yeah, I could belong there. Yeah, I can bring my whole self to this place. So it's good on all fronts. Um, And I think the second thing that it does that I quite like, and folks have probably heard me talk about it, certainly Matt and I have been talking about it, and we've spoken to Kylie at the IBA, but it's brand Australia for beer. And it's really saying for too long, wine, uh, and this ties into your friends of brewing, but wine has taken up this sort of beautiful place, uh, in the Australian zeitgeist. It, it's received huge funding in terms of international growth and support and expert and so on. Um, and even today, um, I saw that inspired unemployed did a bit of a joke about, you know, a wine connoisseur versus a beer connoisseur. And it sort of put beer down a little bit. Um, But it was also making the same point as in some ways as this um, ad is, which is beer is actually Australia's national drink. Beer is for everyone. It is Australia's national drink. It is for the fancy place to the common man. And we need to own that space. Kylie uses that a lot, Uh, Kylie from the IBA, and we have been talking about it from Brand Australia, that there isn't this same push that ties our raw ingredients, our provenance, our beer, our makers, our people, our locations, and we need to own that. And I feel like that bolter really kind of touches on that. You know, if beer is for everyone, it can be, and it is our national dream. So I love it. Hopefully it gets some play. And as you say, Steve, if small breweries can look at that and think what could I change in my marketing and comms, to do something along these lines, great. And also, because this isn't a plug for the IBA, this is a large company that has invested considerable time, money, thoughtfulness, advice in getting this done, and it does benefit beyond themselves. Right? It it does. It is a good guidepost for the industry about how we can have this conversation.
1: Absolutely, and. When we so often see ads, any pretty well any beer ad over the last X period of time has been either just a good ad or has um, potentially been there has been some negative ones as well, whereas this is just overwhelmingly positive and overwhelming positive, not just for that brand, but for our industry um, as a whole. I, I think they use some very good tie-ins in it, um, some uh, kind of clever little analogies in that saying... you kind of saying you may not think beer is for you, but it is for you. And so using some people of different cultures and, and the foods that they were eating weren't aligned to what you would expect for theirs. So it's just saying just because you're a uh, Caucasian woman, you're allowed to eat spicy uh, uh, Asian-style food just as you're, uh, you know, you can and you can enjoy that just as you can enjoy a beer to, to go with it. Or you might be someone from the subcontinent, and you're, uh, you're, you can love a palmy just as much as the – or palmer, whatever – just as oh. much as the next person. <laughs> Don't start palmy palmer. As, as, yeah, that's why I thought i better put in <laughs> both. I have no strong opinion. Um, uh, uh, just as much as you're allowed to enjoy you know, a, a, a beer with, with, with that as well. And I thought that was, that was rather clever. Uh, and that's just from a single viewing from it. Um, yeah, and I was very, very impressed.
2: I really like the ad too because, you know, we, there's a lot of talk around the industry at the moment a fair bit of dark clouds uh, gathering around and we've got a lot of issues to get through. This is a extremely positive ad that goes off. It's expanding a market. It's positive though and beer should be positive. Beer, Craft beer is positive and, and like you say, beer is yep. kind of our national drink. So when we were over, overseas, Steph and I would constantly be asked if we drank Foster's. That's the association with Australia. It's a beer. It's not a wine. Yeah. It's not Yellowtail. Yeah. It's none of that stuff. It's always yeah. beer. And then they'd go, oh, I've also seen a VB ad. And they'd talk to me about a VB ad. Yeah. And so I think if this ad gets any kind of traction, I watching this ad as a brewer, I get the warm and fuzzy feeling. I'm like, yes, a positive ad. It's good for the industry. It's got that same kind of groundswell of like, yes, beer is for everyone. So I'm really stoked with this ad. And Ten points to Bolta.
0: It's funny you say that. I hadn't even realised until you said it out loud why one of the reasons I liked it so much was because it brought back that celebratory feel. So one of the things I've been thinking about for Bruce News Week, and I haven't run this past Matt, but... Um, uh, he's not I here. will say that he's not but here. He's not Go here, for it. so I'll run it. I'll run it past all the people listening and you too. But um, we're launching. Bruise News is launching our new uh, website, Touchwood. It goes live on the first of March. Um, but what we're putting into that is the ability for folks to leave us um, voicemails, voice messages that we can play as part of um, Bruce News Week. So instead of having to send in your email with your comments or your messages with your comments, you can literally leave us a 90-second message. Um, you can leave it anonymously, um, but you need to tell us you're using an alias uh, or leave your name and an email address so we can check with you about it. Um, but we can play that and one of the things I would really like to hear from the folks listening, like what are some bright sparks that are happening in the industry because the news can feel heavy and it is, we shouldn't turn away from that. It is. It, there's a lot going on. The expectations on businesses are high. It's complex. There's a lot to do. But I know that at a little level and a big level, there's really positive stuff going on. And so I would love for folks to, when the website's up, I'll share it with the Radio Brews News group, but leave us a little message about a little bright spark in the industry, whether it's a, you know, engagement with a customer or something that you've done for charity or a colleague that helped you or a brewery collab that was positive. I really would like to bring back some of that sort of, Industry celebration um, because it just can feel a bit heavy, and we shouldn't look away from the heavy, but we should still celebrate, you know, our bright sparks. So, um, as soon as you said that, so I was like, yeah, that's why I really liked the ad. It was sort of uplifting, right?
2: No, it's a great ad, and uh, ten points to Bolter. You know, that's not prompted by anyone else. That's that's come from internally within their company. So, obviously, they think that it's important, and yeah, really great that they've done it.
0: Look out for um, Bright Sparks, everyone. If you've got one, send it to us or wait and we can play it as a voicemail. Um, on something that is, uh, so I should just mention, um, Matt had a great Beer as a Conversation in the past week that was released on Tuesday with Paul Daly, craft ambassador at Lion. Um, and I think, you know, it's fair to say Paul is a is an evangelist for beer.
2: He really is. He, speaking of Bright Sparks, he... Uh very passionate about beer and really passionate about beer education, which is something that I, um, I'm also very passionate about. So that was a really good interview. Um, he's had a long career through multiple different companies um, and it's good to know that someone, even at the bigger company in Lyon, has someone that is so stoked about beer as Paul. So, yeah, great interview.
0: So the last sort of piece of news that came up in other news, which really it was an article through the ABC and it was calls for a national department container deposit scheme to stop discouraging innovation of small producers. And this is something that we've touched on on this podcast. It's certainly something that we know the IBA have been asked to look at by their members. Um, but it was from, it was actually featuring a craft brewery and they talked about um, how the brewery it, from Tasmania is. An... Two metre tall. Thank you.
2: The quote was from Jane Jane Huntington.
0: Thank you. They had a, um, they're avoiding selling across all of the states and territories due to the extra administrative load of the container deposit scheme. Um, and you add this quite legitimate burden on small businesses and you couple that with, and I don't want to rage about this because I will, but about the number of containers that are actually going into the scheme that breweries are paying for versus those that are going into curbside collection at home and the dollars aren't adding up and as a result the schemes want to keep increasing the prices it just means that people are recycling they're recycling at home and not taking them to a drop-off point so um, it's it's an actual cost to small to breweries and producers that keeps going up and not to go on a tangent, but my other rage about this is that the large retailers with all the money and all the power do not contribute to that scheme. It's the producers, and yet it is their venues that encouraged packaged product. Um, so... I don't want to rage about it, but I think um, that Jane makes a very valid point and it's pleased to see that the ABC has picked this up and hopefully through Friends of Parliament and some folks with some, you know, we just need some sensible people around a table to address this issue because it's clearly, the scheme has not worked as intended. I mean, it hasn't dramatically increased recycling. It's purported to try and change the way recycling the dollars of who pays for recycling, which it has done that. So it has shifted the burden onto producers for paying for recycling, but it hasn't fundamentally shifted the way in which the average consumer is going about their recycling.
2: So I've uh, actually had to spend a fair bit of my week this week exactly on this issue. Um, We're having discussions with the... South Australian government um, about an EPA review here. So um, for those that are aware out there, um, South Australia has had their scheme in place for 50 years um, and it is showing every bit of its 50 years of age. There's a lot of things within it that are not working anymore or don't respond well to how craft beer is released now. Um, That's even just within the system. So any producer that maybe puts out two beers a week has to fill out all of their details, their you know, waste management plan and everything, finish that submission, and then immediately fill out name, address, waste submission plan, everything all over again, because they're releasing two beers that week. So um, there's a lot of things that are archaically wrong with it, but we're in discussions at the current moment with how the CDS scheme kind of unproportionately affects small brewers. So the easiest way to think about this is Um, There's a registration fee, um, and that registration fee is different for every state. Um, So what the IBA, and I'm cognizant I'm not making this the IBA show, but what the IBA would like to see is a national-level program. So instead of registering in five different states at the current moment, because South Australia and Northern Territory are part of one collection scheme, and then there's five other states, Tasmania and Victoria are not part of a, a, a CDS scheme at the current moment, but they are exploring these details. It'd be really great if we could register once into one portal and make it a lot easier for us to track where things are going across the country. But on the small scale of things, if there's a registration fee of say, and I think it's about $360 in South Australia, if you're a big brewery and you have a million units that you can spread $360 over, that's not an issue. If you're a small brewery and I have small breweries that are producing only 200 bottles at a time, $360 is dollars per bottle. In registration costs alone so it unproportionately affects small craft breweries and any kind of change to this system especially with the change to a label yet again we've had pregnancy labeling already we're looking down the barrel of energy labeling requirements and possibly nutritional panels any change to the labels costs us money and then any change to the actual deposit and many people out there don't probably don't realize that the deposit with the deposit the 10 cents that you get back a manufacturer is actually paid 14 to 16 cents themselves. So the 10 cents comes back to you as a consumer, but then the four to six cents is all in administration fees. So we pay that as manufacturers. There is proposals that the retailers pay it, but I can tell you right now, the retailers won't pay it. They will get your product for a lower cost. Um, So another alternative that's also being suggested is maybe instead of going for the retailer side of things and not the manufacturer side of things is we should push it to the actual producers of the cans and bottles themselves because there's only about five or six of them in Australia Uh, and make the administration costs a lot easier if five businesses are dealing with it rather than 700. Um, So Mm. there's potential there as well. But it's, it's an ongoing discussion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I worked on this in New Zealand and the data just didn't hold up for a scheme, but it was something easy that governments could do to say we care about the environment, we're listening to you. The data on changing on actually improving waste collection um, just didn't hold up. Yes, it's transferred costs, but it hasn't had the impact on waste collection. So,
2: so here in South Australia, the initial scheme went in in nineteen seventy two, and it was originally aimed at littering, and it was very very successful yes. at reducing littering. But the current scheme, as it exists, if we're here to improve recycling. There is a bunch of other things that we can do to improve recycling, including domestic recycling reform. So, we need to, the ability to recycle our own glass or an aluminium here in Australia, not send it overseas.
0: I raged about that when I was writing these proposals for the Guild. I was like, you're going to, the cost to the economy of introducing this CDS scheme is, I don't know, $50 million. Like, is that, could we put in an aluminium smelter so we could actually recycle in New Zealand and save all of our carbon offsets and shifting overseas? Maybe we could do that first and improve our national roadside collection and it would all cost us the same amount of money. No, that didn't look as sexy. Yeah, We went news, then we went positive, and then we went back to raging. So, I mean, all in a all in a um, weekly podcast of Bruce News Week, but... Um, we've got a Brewery of the Week thanks to Bluestone Yeast. Bluestone Yeast can supply pitchers of yeast from 1 litre to 100 litres at greater than 2 billion cells per milliliter. Whether you are after one-off pitchers or you are looking for weekly, fortnightly, or monthly deliveries of yeast, Bluestone Yeast has you covered. You can reach out to them at info at Bluestone Yeast or call Derek on oh three eight five one eight three one seven two 3172 and talk all things yeast. And you've got a great uh, one from South Australia, Steve, that you're going to talk us to us about.
2: Definitely. I'm always going to feature South Australia beer because that's where I live and I love local beer here. But um, to bring it back to the positive, I thought I might give it to who I consider a bit of the sultan of the stoke. This man is super, super pumped about craft beer, and it's super refreshing uh, as a bit of an old grizzle brewer myself to see just his enthusiasm for the industry. Um, David Peacock of Snapper Point Brewing. Um, This bloke brews pretty small batches out of his garage, and then about four streets away, he's actually managed to get himself a 20-seater tap room next to the local fish and chip shop, and it's now the closest brewery tap room to the coastline here in South Australia. And you walk in, and he is just the most lovable, affable bloke who just wants to talk about craft beer. His enthusiasm for craft beer is infectious, uh, and he's a really great addition to the scene down here. So, um, Snapper Point Brewing, Brewery of the Week, Legends.
0: I want to go there.
2: Oh, it's great. I feel like clapping at the end of that. Please, come on down. (laughs) I, I cannot sing his praises enough. He's is really great and I think the other brewery that I recommended previously has been uh, kickback and they're only streets away from each other. so we'll do a bit of a pub crawl. Come over to South Australia, We'll do some pub crawls.
0: Well, I mean the um, hell it can't be it's only like what a month away until the IBD conference is on and so you know there'll be mm-hmm. a whole lot of people hopefully getting out to lots of breweries around South Australia I- in late March.
2: Yes, definitely.
0: And with that, everyone, we've had a nice short um, Bruce News week. That wraps up your news for the week. Your hosts have been me, Sabrina Kunz, Ian Watson, and Steve Brockman. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, the show is produced by Vivian Topalovich and edited by Joe Helder. We thank Rallings, Label Stickers and Packaging, and Bluestone Yeast for their support in making this episode possible. Thank you all for your contributions by email, text, phone or in the Radio Brews News group and hopefully in the future via voicemail, please rate and review the podcast in Apple or Spotify and help more folks in the brewing industry find the show. We'll chat next week and we're out.